Those stories have always been there before. They have been there for years and years and years. But now we have reached this tipping point where we've spoken enough about women in tech issues that it's actually starting to make a difference. Next we have Dinah Davis who is the Director of Research and Development at Arctic Wolf Networks and is the founder of Code Like a Girl. She's so badass. Okay, great. Well, let's jump right in. Um, you know, I, I of course, um, reached out to you on Twitter uh, knowing a little bit about um, Code Like a Girl, which I know you're the founder of. And it's just, of course, a community that resonates with me since it brings women together. So I'd love to just have you start by introducing yourself? Tell tell us a little bit about Code Like a Girl and and you know kind of why you started it. How'd you get here? Yeah, so um, I'm Dinah Davis. I'm the founder of Code Like a Girl. Um, yeah, it's actually kind of a long journey for me to to where we got to, and um, it really all started with my counselor in high school uh, telling me I should be a math teacher because I was really good at math and um, awesome. it actually goes all back to the beginning <laughs> all the way back to the beginning and um, the naive 17 year old self that I was um, thought that that was a great idea so I went off to a wonderful university where you can get two degrees in one over five years to become a teacher and I quickly realized that I was in love with the mathematics and, and, and the science. And I realized that to be an excellent teacher, I would need to be very good at building relationships and, and watching children and, 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 and figuring out what makes them tick and not so much the mathematics. Right. And I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, so, so I dropped the teaching part and in my third year of university, I was forced to take the computer science program, which all my friends who were in humanities, by the way, told me were, was really hard. Um, and within the first week of that class, I was like, oh my goodness, this is how I think. This is just another syntax for how I think. And this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and so then I just started taking as many computer science courses as I could. And when I got to the upper years, um, there was this class of, of 60 students. And to just give a little context, my school, my university, had a ratio of seven to one women to men. Because it was like this teaching school and um, like that's typically more women at this stage, right? Um, yeah, no so I walked into that class of 60 students and even at a school where it was seven to one women to men, there was 58 guys and two women. And I was one of the two women. Um, wow. <laughs> and, that, and it really hit me. I was like, wow, this is like an issue. This is like, this is certainly an issue. Um, and I, and I kind of just, you know, I did the class. 
I promised myself by the end of the um, by the end of the first class, I would make a friend so that I would have somebody to do the assignments with. And so at the end of the class, I turned around uh, to these three or four guys there and I said, hey, my name's Dinah. Um, would you guys like to do this assignment with me later? And um, they kind of just stared at me like, oh my God, the girl talked to me. And uh, <laughs> I think they were like far more afraid of me than I was of them. Um, and some of those people are still my friends today. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's, I remember that's that first cool. moment. <laughs> yeah, that first moment. So from that point on, I, I was always a little bit active, but I definitely, um, the first 10 years of, of my career, I wasn't very vocal. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want it to affect my um, career. And for the first eight years, I had a really great job with very little discrimination. And so it wasn't really an issue for me. Sure. Um, and then I got this really horrible job where I had um, very misogynistic boss who liked to bully people. And when I left there, I said to myself, I was like, this cannot happen again. One, you cannot go into another environment like this and you can't let this happen to other women. You have to speak up. You have to make a difference and change things. Um, and that's really when I started blogging for myself, like blogging about women in tech issues and, and blogging about how to get, you know, young girls into, into STEM. At that time, my daughter was about five or six years old. Um, so I, it was very, um, you know, it was top of mind for me what we were going to do to make it so she would know all the options, be exposed to all the options, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for a few years. And then this one event that I went to where you mentor uh, grade nine girls, like, so like 14, 15 year old girls um, in kind of a speed dating setting where they, they go in groups of eight from table to table um, talking to professional women and why, what they've done with their math degrees. Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually called, it's run by the University of Waterloo and it's called Think About Math. And it's, Neat. they get their, they get alumni to come in and, and, and be the professionals there. And very cool. them having been in very, like a lot of different careers, right? Um, and so I thought, oh, I need to like bring something cool for these girls because, um, you know, I want them to remember my message and I, and I think, you know, going home with something would be nice. And so I went to talk to the, to the HR people at my company and they're like, well, we have pens. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So grade nine girls don't really care about pens. Um, oh my gosh. Nope. <laughs> so, not at all. <laughs> create my own sticker, kind of like very on the fly, very last minute. And I wrote code like a girl on it. And it had this very androgynous icon of a girl, or it yeah. could have been a boy. Like it was just completely androgynous and it was red. There was no pink. I was like, there will not be pink on this. Um, <laughs> yes. And I printed like 80 stickers. I, I made an order of 80 stickers and they were all gone after the event. And they, they loved them. They were putting them on their books right away. They were, I was like, oh, this is a thing. This is a possibility. 
Um, and that kind that's where you got feedback straight from the source. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's where code like a girl started. It was with this wow. sticker and I just started building up more and more things around it until, um, about nine months after that, um, I was on medium and I could not find a publication to put my work into to try and amplify what I was trying to say about girls in STEM and women in tech and all of that stuff. And it finally hit me that I could just create my own publication. <laughs> and yes. that would amplify my <laughs> And then I started thinking about it a little bit more and I thought, actually, it would be a lot cooler if we could take all these voices of women in technology and bring them together and make them this powerful force and amplify them all together. That's so much more powerful than just my voice um, and my experience. And we have all these other experiences. And if we do that, maybe we can actually make some significant change. Um, and so I started that in January of 2016. And so day zero, zero followers. And now we're, we're almost over 31,000. So wow. congratulations. That's a, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it, and I, I think there, there was definitely resonance there. There wasn't a place for this stuff. There is, you know, there's a few publications now, but a year and a half ago, you know, almost two years ago, there, there really wasn't. Yeah, no kidding. And I really, you know, your mission resonates with me so much because I feel in so many different areas over the past couple of years, women in general have just been much more willing or, or wanting of reaching out to other women and hearing from other women. So I feel like, you know, these women specific communities are thankfully really proud, like becoming prevalent now, which certainly makes me feel good. Well, the interesting part is Code Like a Girl is not a women's community. Yeah. Um, it is, it's open to anyone, anyone who wants to make a difference. And if we look at our statistics um, online, we are about uh, 40, our readers are about 45% male and 55% female. That's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Very, because very there cool. are a lot of guys out there who want to make a difference and they don't know what to do. That gives me um, a lot of hope too. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. We need, oh. to, we need to make that clear that there are lots of guys out there who do want to make a difference. That's great. Oh, there's so many. There really, really, really is. Do they all get it? No, but they're trying. That's the yeah. important part. They're trying. And um, some of them are contributors and, and writers for our publication. Um, and some of them are just readers and people who, who, you know, I've got a few people that, you know, every day they are, they are men tweeting out the stuff that our, our publication is producing. Um, and that helps, that helps a lot. It shows that it's valuable, not just to the women, but to other men, what we are talking about. Yeah, no kidding. That really builds credibility in a more expansive way. That's really great. That's really great. Um, so, so what would you say, you know, maybe over the last six months, um, are the hottest topics that, you know, folks at Code mm -hmm. Like a Girl are talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, I think definitely, I mean, there's this trend of, of harassment, 
Um, and, and actually today uh, we posted a very serious story about one of our writers who um, had a significant amount of harassment at Startup Lisbon and it and it didn't even just end there. It I read that. Oh my god. Ugh. Terrible. Yeah. That, that's a trend but the interesting thing about that trend is those stories have always been there before. They have been there for years and years and years but now we have reached this tipping point where we've spoken enough about women in tech issues that it's actually starting to make a difference and people are believing the stories and people are are reacting to them and saying that this is enough if we look at you know ellen powell's case like uh three years ago i think about that time frame she lost she lost her case yeah and now, sure. and now we look at um you know susan fowler and the stuff that's happening with it's not in tech but harvey weinstein and uh this thing today and and, and some other events that happen with with investors over the summer there's consequences now there are consequences to this behavior because society is saying it is not okay and that is because we have been been speaking about it so much that it is becoming important to more than just us so yes it's crappy that all these these stories have come out but at the same time it's amazing the amount of attention they're getting because that means that there's a shift happening god i hope so i mean i'm definitely an optimist so i am on the same page with you but it's it is still hard to see it um, all over the media, even though it also inspires me. It's hard to see it, even though you're right. It's been there all along. It's just, you know, feels like it's constant <laughs> yeah. know, just hearing about it. But, you know, maybe that is a really good thing. And I, I wonder, you know, with, with things like that at Code Like a Girl, um, you know, are you guys making an effort then to, you know, publish more stories around sexual harassment? Um, in an effort to just get more attention around it? Or, you know, how do we continue to combat this cultural sexual harassment in, in tech? Because it's, there's too much. <laughs> there's too much. So we don't, we don't particularly like to focus on it too much. Um, a lot of the intent of Code Like a Girl is to have positive stories with positive outcomes um, for how we can change things. Um, one of the reasons I did include um, Kimberly's story uh, was because Startup, I think Startup Weekend, the larger organization is taking her harassment suit very seriously. Um, yeah. And she will likely follow up this article with one on tips and tricks on how, how to avoid this, how, how hack, like not how individuals can avoid this, but how, um, um, hackathons can avoid this. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, how can how can organizations support? Right. So that they yeah I get it that makes sense. That's so great. so we don't generally just pick up any harassment um, issue we have sure. uh, because we really I I don't want people to think that the only thing that's happening for women in tech is harassment because it's not. Um, so our breadth of stories is very large. Um, it goes from actual technical articles to career advice 
to, you know, the more awful sides of tech, but what are they going to do about it? And what, what are the suggestions that other people can do about it? Um, tips and tricks for organizations on how to hire more women, find more women, support women. Um, it really runs the gamut. I have been quite liberal in my uh, defining what, what can be a Code Like a Girl article because I think there's so many sides and there's so many things to learn that like, I don't really want to narrow it to one specific scope. I love that. That's something again, that I really align with, um, you know, and is our intent with our podcast as well. Um, you know, really moving much closer to real intersectional feminism. You know, the one thing that, uh, I've been hearing folks talk about a lot is, you know, that women in tech are often feeling like they're constantly fighting the believability factor, you mm. know, because of the unconscious bias that they aren't knowledgeable about engineering or don't have the same technical skills. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, the same, <laughs> the same biases exist um, with mathematics as well. I mean, is this something that you've experienced or seen other women experience? Or do you guys have any, any good articles about that? Um, you know, at Code Like a Girl, because I, I just feel like that's been something we've been hearing a lot. Yeah, I mean, we got, we have a ton of articles on how do you um, combat unconscious bias. I think for me, um, one of the biggest things has just been volume. Um, it's not the kind of thing that is going to change overnight. Um, and it's not going to change with one article but it will change with a huge volume of articles, all talking about similar things in different ways to make it more, uh, you know, you, you can read one article and, and it really hits home to you and somebody else can read it and go, eh, maybe. Um, and the more different perspectives you have, the better chance you have of, of making that change. Um, I would be really surprised if any woman in STEM didn't have some kind of uh, story of unconscious bias. I mean, I think it, it even comes down to as simple as, you know, when I tell people what I do for a living. Yeah, I run an, uh, a software development organization. I have 25 people reporting to me. And I was a software developer and I, and I do security. And you always get this, this like, look, really? Wow, that's different. And so wow. until we can have that response change, until it becomes the norm that women do this, like you don't get that response if you say you're a nurse. You don't, True. Yeah. You don't get that response if you say you're a teacher. Um, a man would get that response if he said he was a nurse. So that's a conversation that still has to change as well. But it, it's, it's important that like, so even that, just that amount of it, is there, right? Um, so that's what we have to change. Um, and I think there is a lot of hope in uh, my daughter's generation um, that these roles and these jobs uh, will start to be held more and more by women. Um, it's gonna be slow, it's not gonna be fast, but we have a generation of girls who are growing up with role models like the women from Hidden Figures. Uh, this year, my daughter is a Ghostbuster for Halloween. 
Um, yes. <laughs> she's Olsen. She loves it. Uh, she was uh, Ray from Star Wars last year. She loves Wonder Woman. We've got these amazing books. Yes. <laughs> We've got these amazing books, uh, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. My God, I recommend that book for girls and for boys. They love reading the stories. They're really short little stories about a hundred different amazing women and what they have done. Um, and my nephew loves that book and he's, he's in the similar age as my, as my daughter, he's nine and, well, they're both nine now. Um, I love that. That's great. So I think the key to changing a lot of this and to changing perceptions is a multi-generational, um, effort with role models. I think role models is the, the key to the whole thing. And not just, I mean, I love that Hollywood is getting on board with, with female uh, leads and stuff, but that, that's clearly never going to be enough. Um, you need, you know, the women in your life. Um, you need to know what they all did. So we, we read uh, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, and um, I was driving to work the next day. My daughter read it herself in one weekend, the whole hundred stories. She was, wow. she did not put the book down. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be powerful for her if she had a book about the women in her life and what the women in her life have done with their lives? And so we, we did this as a project um, while we were at the cottage for a week. And we wrote down all the, all the women in her family up to her great grandmothers we wrote down something about them, about their story or their life that was interesting and different. And it was fascinating to me because you could just see she had a whole bunch of rebel women in her life. And I bet if you looked at almost any history of like the women in your family, there's something they did that was powerful. It might be small, but it was powerful. Um, and for girls and boys to grow up knowing that not just their, their fathers did amazing things and their grandfathers did amazing things, that their mothers and grandmothers did and their aunts, that's, that is what changes perceptions. That is what it changes. What an amazing project. That is so cool. I've been thinking about that a lot, like thinking about my grandmother and her being a leader of League of Voters and yeah, yeah. everybody needs their own <laughs> Rebel Girls book. That's for sure. <laughs> How cool. Totally. totally. Oh, we, cool. we even printed it. So she's got this nice hardcover book that, wow. and she did all the illustrations of all, like we wrote the stories for her and then she read the story and then illustrated something from that story. So all, all of the pages are illustrated by her. Oh, that should be a required school, elementary school activity. It seems. I feel like it should be. <laughs> Maybe we'll it should be like it happen. <laughs> probably valuable to do it of all the parents, but I just yeah. in this situation we were focusing on one piece of it. Right, equal opportunity, but it's a really valuable activity for girls. I mean, on a much smaller level, just even seeing the first twenty minutes of Wonder Woman, you know, with all of its. <laughs> its problems and stuff but I, I was like oh my goodness I don't know that I've ever seen a movie that opens a full 20 minutes with just women and you know they're all just like 
kicking each other's asses. I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I was just imagining myself watching it as a little girl. It was pretty amazing. Oh yeah. He's hooked. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, before we wrap up, I, you know, because I am also such an optimist and we want to, um, you know, support all communities out there that are helping, um, you know, other women in equal opportunity and, um, all of that great stuff. We just want to give our interviewees a chance to share like either something you guys are working on, a resource that would be valuable to share, um, any final words for any of our listeners, male and female out there. Um, and any, anything we can do to support Code Like a Girl? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of three main things you can do to support Code Like a Girl. If you're a woman in tech or you're an ally that wants to write about it, come and be a writer for us. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your story. We want to amplify it. Um, two, if, if you aren't those things or you're not comfortable doing those things, you can amplify the voices of the people who write for us. Share it on social media, share it with your friends, get it out there so that we can make a larger and larger footprint. And finally, um, if you have financial resources, um, then we would love your support on our Patreon page. Uh, we don't make any money from Code Like a Girl. Everyone involved is a volunteer. Um, but the, the small amount of money that people do give via Patreon really helps us with our infrastructure and makes it um, easier for us to do this. Um, we can, you know, pay for those expensive <laughs> social media tools that helps us, you know, not spend 20 hours a week on social media and still get a good impact for everyone. Um, and yes. and it, <laughs> it helps that. us print stickers and stuff that we give out to girls at events. Like it's small things right now, but they make a difference. Um, and then for resources, like our website is basically the resource. Um, but we also have a Q&A section on uh, codelikeagirl.io. And that has a lot of the, the frequently asked questions that I got. Like it, it was born out of people asking me the same questions over and over and over again. Um, so I said, well, why don't I ask the community and I will give you my answer and then the community can add their answers to it and then it'll be an even better resource. Um, so I highly recommend going to that, that's that page. If there's a question on there, if there's a question missing, then let me know. And then we can, we can add another question. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dinah. Really, we can't thank you enough. Um, I, we want to continue to support amazing communities and organizations like Code Like a Girl. We have uh, Erica Peterson an incredible woman and founder of Moms Can Code. So talking about women, gender disparity, and sexual harassment in tech, um, and how that experience might be different for women of color is, is personal for us and very important. And so we're really appreciative of your time today. Um, so I know that just, you know, from, from chatting on Facebook a little bit, um, I know you're a founder of your own tech company, Moms Can Code. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, what led you to start your own company and why in tech? Moms Can Code is an online community that supports moms who are interested in learning how to code by providing opportunities to 
connect both online and offline, providing learning resources and creation. The idea for Moms Can Code, you know, was um, this summer um, to me, and then um, we launched August third. So officially, oh, wow. officially, I've been in tech uh, since August. Awesome. <laughs> And were you, did you get into coding like prior to August? Like have you been doing that for a little bit? My undergraduate degree is in animal science and nutrition. And um, I actually had found a use to learn how to code I learned, um, while I was in college because I needed it for statistics. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was terrible at organic chemistry. Um, awful. I don't want to say my grades. <laughs> <laughs> it's in everyone. <laughs> the second time I took organic work, I went to my advisors and I said, you know, um, I don't know how many more times I can repeat organic one. So certainly organic two, is there something I can do to, you know, in lieu of this and, um, mm -hmm. or find, you know, uh, what do you think you want to take? And I had, I had, um, I took a SAS software class. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, I was, and then, you know, before then, I didn't realize I was coding when I was, you know, making changes to, um, you know, websites and whatnot. As we um, and I think a lot of us uh, were introduced, maybe to, at least my age, weren't, um, were introduced to coding maybe by altering our Facebook page or, I mean, not Facebook, MySpace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so it was, I've been coding. I just didn't realize I was coding, I guess. Um, yeah. 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 So um, that's um, the reason I started Moms Can Code is because I really wanted to look further into it and see what courses or, you know, classes were available locally because my son, who's five, is really into code. So I'm knowledgeable about it. Wow. He's only five and he's coding? Oh yeah, my gosh. He, he, <laughs> He gets it. It's awesome. It's awesome to see these connections happen so young and be able to support him in that. Um, but he, yeah, on Monday we had a CSS class here in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. and he was so upset. He had to, so we offer childcare um, at our workshops and our events. Um, and he was so upset. He had to go um, hang out with the other kids. Um, at one point he snuck out and he grabbed a notebook and, you know, a crayon. <laughs> into the uh, the area where we were doing the class and he started you know copying uh you know tags from the from the from the screen so wow <laughs> he gets it he understands that um you know creating creating code and writing code um and what yeah that means. You know, definitely okay, you have a future software engineer on your hands there <laughs> That's amazing. I, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was curious in terms of, you know, there are a few different coding groups and more developing now for, for women in tech, but did you see a specific need for, for a group geared towards moms and, you know, parents? Um, and it, was that what compelled you to start this group? Yeah. So yeah, there's tons of different, you know, groups out there right now. And um, I love it. So what yeah. I saw when I was starting out, at just looking for the resources, not actively learning it, was that there wasn't anything out there for women trying to 
to, to learn how. So there's groups for women who want to break in. There's groups for women who are currently already working in tech, but there was nothing out there for, for moms, a woman like me who wanted to just figure out what's the best way to learn right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's apps to learn how to code. There's websites, there's boot camps, there's degrees. So what's the best way for me to learn? What are the, what, what, you know, what success have you had with uh, this course on this, you know, ed tech platform versus another? So I wanted to talk about those things. And um, I just you know, put the hashtag out there and people started responding. And wow. ever since we've been talking. <laughs> That's so amazing. Have you, and have you seen a lot of interest in the group? Have you guys recruited a lot of moms? Yes. So what was fascinating. So I always talk about my other stuff because I have so much going on, but um, this was not the time to start a full fledged you know, organization or a company. Mm-hmm. Um, when I put this out there, I was just putting it out there because I was like, certainly I can't be alone. But when I, what I quickly realized um, was that there was an interest and that was because within the first three, four weeks, we had over 400 subscribers to learn when we launched. Um, Wow. We have a website app and people were subscribing to receive the email to when we launched. Uh So um, right then and there I realized, oh, okay. (laughs) Cool. and then when more people signed up, oh, okay, that's awesome. You know, um, so I, I take it day by day, week by week, but um, so far the response has been so incredible. Yeah, that's that seems great. I mean, considering it's been, what, two, three months? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I was going to ask you, so you're doing, is it a blend of online and like in-person workshops that you're doing? Yeah, so our in person, um, we have had meetups. So here in Pittsburgh, we had our launch party was our official first meetup. There were over a hundred people there that night. Um, wow! Last was it last weekend? Yeah, last weekend I was in San Francisco and we had a small meetup there. Um, for the last four weeks, we've been piloting a different type of tech skills workshop here in Pittsburgh, where we've offered childcare. And there's been childcare at our meetups as well, by the way. And um, it's yeah, great. Trying, you know, we've been trying different things in person, um, figuring things out. But um, the learning, what's cool about the learning resor- resources that are available now on the website, which are now free and everyone can access, is that the learning resources are created by by you, by moms, like an expert in time management, goal setting, or something very particular about tech or just want to share a new way to do something, they can create content. So that's what we invite people to do. That's how to get involved with us and be a part of our community. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. So kind of sharing resources with one another. Yeah. So do you, um, I guess getting back to more, the, the topic of this podcast, um, something that we're asking women who are speaking to us is, you know, if, if you've had any experiences or if you witnessed um, gender disparity throughout your career and, you know, if so, did that contribute to your decision to start this um, Moms Can Code community? So my experience actually happened in the sciences. I worked in a lab and um, I was in a PhD program 
program. And in my first semester, um, I found pregnant. And um, I was engaged. I had, we had three pets together. We had a mortgage together. There was nothing unusual about, you know, this situation. Um, and my advisor suggested I leave the program. So wow. that was, you know, I realized, you know, I, 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 I should have done things differently. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, not necessarily, you know, um, I should have gone to those association for women in science meetings. Mm-hmm. I should have had allies. I, I should know what to do in this situation. And what ended up happening is I did leave the program. Um, I was pregnant and it was very emotionally hard on me to, and it still is at times to recall this time because you work so hard for something. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you're having a baby. It's also like the most amazing thing. Um, and you can't celebrate or, you know, you can't celebrate that because all of a sudden, you know, your life dream of become, becoming a scientist, you're told you can't do it. Um, yeah. So after that experience, um, I always urge young women to, to talk to older women in their departments, to join clubs, to cho- join organizations. Um, like, I was just so clueless. And Did, yeah. I mean, did he, did he like, did that advisor explain his reasoning at all? Like as to why he, like, what was, you know, the explanation? The explanation was very simple. You're not going to be able to do it. You should do something easier like education. Wow. (laughs) Um, Ring in my, like to this day, that, that phrase, I can't let it go. This is just five years ago. So. Oh my gosh. Very fresh. It's very, you know, but like those rules just stuck in my mind. And then I went to um, another gentleman, older gentleman in the department, and um, you know, he said, Well, you can't be superwoman. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) um, You know, and a lot of the different uh, people in the department that I spoke to, you know, they, they're saying similar things. So, and that doesn't speak for everyone. Um, you know, it's not, I'm not making blanket statements or generalizations here. That experience has changed me and changed my life. Um, and, you know, six years ago, we wouldn't have even had this conversation. I wouldn't have even known what sexual feminism meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really urge young ladies to open up their eyes and be aware of what their rights are and, you know, just... Um, when I started studying in Pittsburgh, um, I moved um, out of the town I was in and then um, moved to, you know, study closer to Pittsburgh, which is a city. And um, I started a chapter for the Association for Women in Science um, with that same mission to um, you know, young and older women in science and have these conversations. So, um it's something yeah. that permeates everything I do. I'm very passionate about um, sharing STEM, STEAM education with both women and young children. Literally everything I do is driven by the same mission. That's so, and that's great you're giving back. And that's also something a lot of people have been saying, something I've heard over and over is how important it is to have mentors, um, you know, especially 
women, female mentors who are kind of an ally to you and can just give you support and feedback. Um, so I think that's great. You're doing that now. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's just simple things like, um, you know, somebody the other day, I don't know what I would do that. The average day at a tech company when you're starting out is, you know, younger in your career is what, one to two years. Am I crazy? Did I read that somewhere? <laughs> no, that sounds right. <laughs> um, but as a young woman, you might not know that you don't qualify for fam for FMLA for the right to choose um, after you have a baby, unless you work at a company for 12 months, like there's certain <laughs> criteria that determines whether or not you get those, you have time off after you have a baby. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> I no. Know. As a graduate student, it depends what university you're at. Not all grad, not all schools have policy for you to take time off. My my my, under, you know, under where I went, um, didn't have a policy for that. Now I've started to pay attention to to see what universities um, have parental leave policies for their graduate students. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you're not aware of, they're not, they don't matter to you, but you need to pay attention because it might affect you sooner than you think. Yeah. And I mean, something I've heard about, you know, one of the issues, like you're saying, aside from just getting women into tech is staying, staying in tech. And especially if, you know, maybe if you're working at one of the top tier tech companies, maybe they have better policies for, for parents, but the startups don't necessarily have any of that. And, and it's, it's almost like a cultural, um, thing where they expect you to work really long hours and there's really not that much flexibility for parents and just a whole bunch of different issues that you don't necessarily think about when you're taking that job right. for sure. And I mean, it's been, it's been amazing to see so many women come forward and tell their stories just in the last like six months or so. Um, yeah, you know it feels like that that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah. I, I, and when you see someone else um, speak up, then I feel that you're more likely to speak up. So um, do that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also there, and I guess this is me being older. I'm not, I'm not that old, but being older, <laughs> just knowing that, you know, a, I think the big fear when you're younger is that, oh my gosh, my career's over. My life is over. Everything is over. Mm -hmm. And that's never going to be the case. That's not the case at all. Yeah. Um, so just realizing that, that there's other opportunities out there. There are other, there's more waiting for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that's the reason you're not speaking up about something or you're staying silent about what's happening right now to you, um, there's always another opportunity and um, stay strong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so let's see, before we wrap up, um, we always give all of our interviewees a chance to share something they're working on, um, whether that's a resource, an organization, a website, um, social media page that you think is worthy of sharing or any other final words for our lady listeners. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to share? 
Um, so right now on um, momscanco.com, we're really looking for people to get involved by creating content. And I, so we're not just a resource for moms, for, for anyone really who wants to learn. So if you want to establish yourself as an expert, if you want to have contributing author on your resume, um, feel free to contact us and um, share your knowledge with other people. Um, what I love about this is that we all learn differently. So you might have a different perspective on how to do something or how to learn something. And that just might be the key for somebody out there who's having whatever topic it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, get involved with us and um, share your stories with us as well, because um, this is where connecting women of different generations comes into play. Mm-hmm. And only for the better, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that sounds great. And yes, listeners, please check out the momscancode.com website, um, and get involved. (laughs) Um, Erica, thank you so much again for having a conversation on the Chug and Chat podcast. We hope this makes women feel less and less alone in the fight for gender equality in the workplace. Thank you for speaking out for other women. How lucky are we to have had two different founders join us on the podcast to tell us about their incredible organizations, Code Like a Girl and Moms Can Code. I mean, come on. These women are doing amazing things. Hope you enjoy